Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsors. Do you wake up feeling like your best days have passed you by? Omega-3s are essential to the health of your body and cells. Scientists say an imbalance in the omega-3-6 ratio is a major cause of many illnesses. You need testing to know how healthy your cells are. Without testing, you're only guessing. Test yourself at home and start feeling better today. Find out how by calling Rick Kroll at 305-933-4219. Welcome to the Home Business Success Show. Join us as we speak to home business entrepreneurs for tips, tricks, do's, and even don'ts for running a successful home business. Welcome everyone. I'm Hank Eater, also known as Hank the PR Guy, host of the Home Business Success Show here on bizradio.us. All entrepreneurs, all the time. We'll be joining my guest right after my Two Cents Marketing Minute. So many entrepreneurs talk about the law of attraction and manifestation. Believe it and you can achieve it. Visualize it and it's as good as yours. But that's only half the battle won. That's only the beginning. Sure, you must visualize it first, but it absolutely must be accompanied by a plan of action. Think from the end. What is your intended outcome? See it, feel it, even taste it. The steps to get there will come to you. Write them down, formulate a plan, and stick to it. Without that plan, you're just another dreamer. Our guest today, Nathan Siegel. Is it Siegel? Siegel? It's Siegel. Well, to start again, our guest today, Nathan Siegel, has been working as a writer for the past 25 years. In that time, he's been published over 1,000 times in magazines all over the world, and he's written 12 books. His greatest success was the Corel Photo Paint X4 Insider, which sold over 11,000 copies. In recent years, he's been working as a ghostwriter. He shows people how to save up to 80% of the time and money it takes to write a book. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you. You're welcome. If you would, please tell us what it is that you do. Well, I mean, ghostwriting has been part of it, but actually I've gone back to something that, that like the Corel photo paint thing was actually a licensing deal and where I took my intellectual uh, property, branded it to the, the uh, Corel company, and recently I've decided to redo that. I've uh, taken the part of my content that hasn't changed, like about all the peripherals and photography techniques, put that into a new volume with something else. And now it, along with several other things, I'm working on on licensing because for me, that's where the money is in writing. And if you license your stuff, then potentially it could be making money for you for years to come. Very cool. Well, I know a young man and I... I guess to me, he's a young man. He's probably 40-something. But he's made probably high six figures by having a course on Photoshop. He wrote one of the original courses out there on Photoshop, and he put it out there through a platform called Kajabi, and he's got customers on on 
on five continents that go into sure. the tens of thousands of customers. It's just amazing. Uh, yeah, you could do, you could do that. The the number one reason why I'm not doing that myself anymore is because it goes out of date too fast, and I'm tired of trying to chase that technological curve. The stuff that I have right now is timeless material in the sense that even though I, I wrote it for this manual years ago, it's still very much present day, and all I have to do is update a couple of minor things, and it becomes uh, present day once again, and it will be good for years to come. And a lot of writers, uh, well, if they're doing what I do as a tutorial writer, their stuff gets dated really quickly. And it's not a good way to make a living, in my opinion. But if you do timeless stuff, like I've got several major things I've, I've got that are timeless in the sense that the information is going to be more or less the same 10 years, 20 years, 40 years from now. And so it will still be useful and relevant. That's that's my mindset now. Well, I think that really uh, expands the notion when we say things are evergreen. Yes, it would, would be, be evergreen. evergreen. Yeah, it would be evergreen for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Now you mentioned ghostwriting a few a few moments ago. Who is your yeah. ideal client? Well, if I'm doing that, it would be uh, consultants, uh, business owners, coaches. Uh, these are people who want to differentiate themselves from uh, their competition. You do that by having a book out there that is authoritative? Well, this one kind of book that I created is called How to Position Yourself as an Expert in Any Industry. And what that does is it addresses the top five to ten questions that your prospects ask. You give them actionable solutions. And the idea is that the book is a giveaway. And when you give it away and prospects discover that you've solved some of their major problems, you haven't asked them for an, for an order, they're far more likely to want to work with you. And part of the reason why is it triggers the law of reciprocity. And when they see that you've solved some of these major problems, that will get their attention very quickly. Yeah, that's uh, something that I come across often, and I've spoken about a number of times on the show. And... Uh, most of the so-called gurus speak about this, that in order to really reach your audience, you need to understand what their problems are and reach them through their problems, through their so-called pain points, and yeah. show them how you have a solution that once their pain points are solved, they can go on and shine in ways that they've they've not shined before, making yeah, them the true. hero that they're looking to be. Yeah, yeah it, it does do that because a lot of people, as far as I can tell, are not doing this kind of thing. And if they did, uh, there would be a lot more people standing out in their marketplace. When you are doing your ghostwriting, do you take on pretty much just nonfiction or do you ghostwrite any fiction? That's a good question. No, I don't do fiction. I don't do textbooks either because those are too involved. The kind of stuff that I do is uh, when I'm able to interview somebody for the content, but fiction, no. No, I don't do that. Okay. I could see why that would be very time-consuming. It's almost like it, jumping it, down a rabbit hole. It it could be. I've never really looked into fiction. I've always been a very practical-minded uh, person when it comes to business and books and writing. Okay. 
I like them both. I mean, I like nonfiction for learning sure. all the things that I need to learn. But I love to dive when I get the time. It's been quite a long time since I've had the time for it. But I love to dive into a deep work of fiction because some yeah. of the themes that are explored, you know, can take us all the way back practically to the dawn of civilization hmm. and all the things that we've been dealing with as as the human race for so long. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Fiction can be really... Uh, good. I haven't looked at it for quite a while, though. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you become a writer? I got fired from a job. <laughs> cool. Would you care to tell us a little bit it's about true. that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was working for um, an outfit called Computer Master way back in the late 90s. And ultimately, me and my boss did not see I die. And he, he needed a scapegoat, turned me into one. Uh, fired me, and uh, and after that, I was I I really didn't know what to do. And my cousin, who is a writer, came up to me a couple of weeks later, asked me if I wanted to learn how to write. I didn't have any prospects, so I said sure. It was that simple. So it's a question of uh, being in the right place at the right time, but then also having the in, the innate skills and talent to be able to do that. Yeah, I think I was lucky in a lot of respects. So uh, there were a couple of things. I didn't have the problems that so many writers do, like all these hang-ups. I didn't have any of them. I just did what he told me, and I succeeded. And uh, the other thing is, yeah, I did have a background in, in writing certain things. My very first writing job, which was not working with him, was when I was a software instructor, and I got hired to teach a, a course, but they didn't have a manual, and I needed one. And... I went to my bosses and they hired me to write a manual and that was my first ghost writing job. What is what is it that we've always heard said about necessity <laughs> being Yeah, well I needed it so no yeah. it was fine. It was fine. That makes me think of Frank Zappa everything reminds me of music or bands. Necessity is the mother of invention. And uh of course okay. from there there you go. So what do you think is the greatest benefit of being a writer? Well, you can go anywhere with it. I mean, mind you, that's predicated by knowing how to do research and interviews. If you have those two skills, you can write about anything you want. And way early on, I, I can't remember how I learned it. Part of it had to do with my cousin, what he was doing. But I got hired to write for a magazine. I had to do a lot of interviews. And I just evolved it. I, I can't remember how I did it. It was a long time ago, but I just evolved it. And then uh, later when I got into podcasting for a while, I learned how to make the experience even better in terms of interviews. So again, it was self-taught. It was not a class or anything. It was just when I was working with this one guy, we were screwing up a lot in the early days until somewhere along the line, we learned about active listening. And when we started to use that in our interviews, everything changed. And it changed so much that it got to the point where after every single interview, the person we interviewed was asking us, that was an or saying, you know, it's an awesome interview. How can I help you promote it? It's just really amazing for us, but it worked like a charm. Right. Well, you know, if you give them what they want, I think 
and they see it as a vehicle for promoting themselves, they're certainly mm -hmm. going to want to promote it. Yeah. I acquired those skills also. I mean, I do remember how I did that because I went to school, uh, went to the University of Florida uh, College of Journalism and Communications, and I, uh, you know, trained to be a news reporter. And for a oh, while, I was, yeah. yeah, for a while, I was a news reporter. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have computers when I was doing that. And so back in the day, I could be there with my little pad and pen and interview people and be scrawling this stuff in the barely legible, you know, handwriting and, and yeah. come back with all the facts. Well, today I need a little more time to do that. But also, sure. having done that, I spent time as a general assignment reporter for several newspapers. And you find yourself suddenly writing about something that the day before you didn't even know anything existed about it. And yeah, so you pick up those skills. And with the research, and with the um, with the logical uh, thinking skills, the uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? not logical, the critical thinking skills, you become pretty good at doing that. And that's helped me in my quest as as Hank, the PR guy, you know, it was going yeah. back to uh, to some of my roots. Um, tell us about your book. Your um, yeah, which which one? Well, the one I think that um, will help aspiring writers. You have a book that would help aspiring writers. Well, not so much aspiring writers. I mean, well, I have one from years ago. It was uh, designed to help people get into print. Uh, the same thing that I did. I called it Secrets of Profitable Freelance Writing. I haven't thought about that in a long time, but uh, it's just, it takes people on the on the journey that I went on and uh, basically gives people all the tools, if they want them, to write for magazines. And I have to say that, unfortunately, it really didn't do very well. I, I found that just a lot of the writers that I encountered were people who wanted to be discovered and they didn't want to do the work. I had an extreme example of a group that I was in and all these writers were demanding that I give them everything I knew. One writer in particular demanded all of my knowledge and skill for nothing and that I get him a job at the end of it. And you can imagine what I told them. Oh, I, I got through it. I got thrown out of the writing group for being uh, uh, brutally honest. But no, I just I just discovered that there are a lot of people who say they want to do stuff, but they're not willing to put in the work. When I did start doing some stuff, like I, I, I wrote that software manual for Corel that, that did reasonably well. But one of the things I discovered talking with my mentor about it and several other people is that you can do something which is really good but maybe only 5% of the people who buy it will actually use it. Yeah. You and oh, go on. Yeah. Well, Tony Robbins had a, did a video with uh, Frank Kern and uh, John. Oh God. His last name is escaping me in the moment. That's okay. Um, the thoughts but, more important. Yeah. But um, John Reese, uh, Anyway, the discussion had to do with this very topic. And Tony was talking about the fact that a lot of these people lack certainty. If they had certainty, if they knew that whatever it is that they bought would give them what it is that they wanted, 
he figured that the numbers of uh, people reading and using the material would go up. But I had the same discussion with my mentor. Three to 5% of the people who buy your stuff will ever use it. And if you look in the, the broader perspective of things, you notice that three to 5% of the people have all the money and all the property and this and that in the world. It's reflected everywhere. And why is that? And it, it just seems to come down to the fact that a lot of people are not willing to put in the work. And there are a lot of other people who seem to want to be led. They, they would rather follow orders and take responsibility for their own lives. I don't know if that's 100% true, but uh, it's something that comes up all the time. Like, like, if you really want to succeed, if you read a book like The Success Principles, the very first chapter, I believe, is uh, titled, You Must Take 100% Responsibility for Your Life. And as far as I can see, that's true. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing for most of us to get, because mm -hmm. especially when people are, grasp are grappling with the notion that they're trying, trying, you know, I'm, I'm only holding up one set of, of, of you know, apostrophes here, but they're yeah. trying to do something and they perceive themselves as failing rather than yeah. moving through the obstacles along the way. And instead of saying, okay, what did I get from this lesson when I didn't pull this one off? You know, I had a meeting and I, I looked like a fool at the meeting, uh, but those people were so mean. Instead of what can I do in the next meeting to sure. make myself come across more as an expert or more confident? What can I do? How can I work on myself? It's so much easier to blame others than it is to take steps to change. It's true. And you've um, made me think about something. I just want to uh, see if I can find it real quick. Um, our mutual friend, Sajad, uh, sent out a newsletter a few days ago. Yeah, here we go. And... Uh, it says you don't start out with confidence you start out with the courage to to try and then he goes into this uh this newsletter let me just see i just want to look at it a little bit it's like don't worry about failing uh just get going uh you're failing way worse by sitting there and thinking about it the hardest step is the first step once you get going it gets a lot easier you don't need perfection you just need to get started you need to get it and, out there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's like the people who are working on things like uh, courses, you know, they want to put courses out there, but mm -hmm. I can't put it out yet because I don't have the logo up as good as I want it to um, be. And no. I don't, you know, they're always working on the next thing that they have to work on to make it perfect before it goes out oh. there. But I know some people who've been very successful with those kind of things that even put out the, the sales for it before they even had the product finished. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there, there are a lot of um, things that I've learned about courses. I've done them. So I, I, I do know that. But the number one thing is, well, actually, the number one thing before you even think of doing a course is, is there a market for it? Correct. And I recently did a video about that and, and showing people, it's like, you have to do the market research. It's like, for example, a little while ago, I picked a hot topic. I knew it was a hot topic before I did it. And that was about narcissism. And I did some research. 
do uh, the the way I'd been t- uh, told about doing it using Amazon, Udemy, Amazon yeah. and Udemy, and there was another one I forgot what it was. But then I had an idea one day, and I started doing research on YouTube, and that's where I hit the gold mine. Because on YouTube, all the numbers were way, way, way up. And in terms of narcissism, I mean, I mean, there's so much stuff out there, you wouldn't believe it. Um, and having to read about it lately, because of an experience I had, it's like, holy crap, there's a lot of stuff. Right. And you know, it's counterintuitive that people would think that, well, I looked that up and there's so much information out there. Maybe yeah. I better go into something else. But it's counterintuitive because the stuff that's out there really, really popular and really yeah. in the spotlight is stuff that if you can give yourself a, a good spin on it, will yeah, well, succeed in something obscure. You know, I, I don't want to cut you short, but we're we're this time oh, has flown by. So no I worries. Wanna, yeah. I, I want to make sure that uh, our listeners know how to get in touch with you. What's the best way to get in touch with you if they want a ghostwriter or they just um, want to explore yeah. more about what you do? Well, the best places would be LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, my email address is visualartist49 at gmail.com. 49, visualartist49 at yeah. gmail.com. Yeah, that's the easiest way to get in touch. I mean, I have a phone number, but it's not going to help a lot of people because it's for Mexico. There you go. Okay, okay. so, yeah, I, I've enjoyed this time we spent. Thanks for being Thank here you. with us. You're welcome. And to our listeners, tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. for the Home Business Success Show here on bizradio.us. Before I go, I want to tell you that there are some great resources available to home business owners. You are not alone in the wilderness in your home business. The Home Business Success Community has your back. We're an online membership community of like-minded home business entrepreneurs. Contact me for more information. Just go to bizradio.us, go to shows, scroll down until you see my picture, and you'll get all the contact information you need. Remember, you can achieve success, freedom, and independence in your own home business. I've done it, Nathan has done it, and you can do it too. We'll see you next week. This is Hank Eater wishing all of you a fabulous day of home business success. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.